welcome to What the Fish, a podcast for the fish guys at the Field Museum in Chicago. Talk about marine life, new and crazy species, natural history news, and fish. Who are the fish guys? We have Dr. Leo Smith, head of fishes, and InSync groupie. Hello, Leo. Hello. We have Dr. Mac Davis, a postdoc and an ex-roadie for White Snake. Hello. We have Dr. Eric Algren, consultant for fishes and an original member of Menudo. Hello. And I am Beth Sansenbacher, your intrepid host and Slash's hat girl. To kick off our first episode, we are going to talk about an old fish, a quote-unquote fossil fish, a coelacanth. All right, so recently there was a paper documenting what sometimes is being called in the media as the oldest uh, fossil fish, which was a coelacanth found from um, China, and it was a skull uh, from about 420 million years ago. Wait, what's a coelacanth? So a coelacanth is this lobe-finned fish heading towards a tetrapod. So it has something. arms and legs. Right. It has, it, not in our sense, but closer than a like a trout or something like that. Are they fins, or I mean, are they like they, old they're fin, digits? They're that fins, but they're they're lobed, so they're not lobed. they're not okay. a series of rays. So, so like if you so if you were to like think about like a like a trout or a salmon or a cod or anything like the there's basically straight rays kind of coming out as if they didn't have a wrist or a shoulder or anything. It's just basically a hand in a sense coming off of the side of the body. And this guy's basically have something that's not entirely unlike wrists or something. You know, like there's a little extra there's some extra bones and stuff in there. So what is the oldest fish ever found? What is the oldest fish fossil? What is the what is the antecedent of modern fish, the oldest fossil that you will see? At that point we got we start getting into like what is the oldest nathostome fossil or something like that. Like or, what are the oldest fossils of jawed vertebrates? This was the oldest coelacanth, I think, that's been yeah. found so far. Yeah, it's the oldest coelacanth by about fifteen million years. So there was actually a fossil coelacanth from Australia that was described as a coelacanth based on a lower jaw. And there's actually over 80 species of described coelacanth fossils um, that stretch back between that period, about 400 million years, to now even, because obviously we have extant coelacanths. We have two living species. That's what I was going to say. There's, it's not like coelacanths. They're, they're not a fossil fish because it's not, it's not like it's, it's, it's evolved into something else or it's extinct. Like there's coelacanths now and, and how there's... How similar are they to these fossil coelacanths? So there's different lineage. There's different lineages within coelacanths. They presumably all share a common ancestor. I mean, within lobe fishes. Yeah, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is like saline coelacanths is kind of like saying sharks or saying frogs. It's a group of things that all came from a single ancestor, yeah. and they all have some inherent essence of being a coelacanth. They have the what well, you know this, the diagnostic characters of a coelacanth. Yeah. Um, and so the radiation could be one species, or it could be thousands or millions. But in this case, you know, there's about 80 to 100 between fossil and living species. Yeah. But what was interesting about them is that they had disappeared, you know, up until you know, about six, I guess about eight years ago now, yeah. where a, a species was described off of South Africa originally. Um, they had disappeared from the fossil record for, I don't know. I think that before million, it, tens of millions it, of years. it was like 65, like the last coelacanth from the fossil record was about 65 million years ago. So people presume they went extinct in the late Cretaceous. As a lineage, like there were, there were no other extant ones. But the thing was, the the ones they found, their habitats are primarily deep sea caves. So 
you can understand why they went unnoticed for so long. But if you go look at the fossil record of coelacanths, they were far more diverse ecologically than that. There were freshwater coelacanths. There were marine coelacanths that were like pelagic. Um, open water. Open water. Yeah, open water coelacanths. Coelacanths living in kind of more marshlands. Um, there are coelacanths from the Triassic known from Utah. Coelacantharema. Um, yeah, so there is, there is quite a bit more diversity, and they didn't look necessarily like coelacanths from today. Like, they have very similar lobe fin morphology. So they're superficially similar, but some of them were really long and elongated. Some of them were really tiny, like far, you know, really small, maybe only getting up to about one and a half feet long as an adult. Um, so the diversity of coelacanths was was far more widespread in the past than it is today. So, so l- l- let me just ask a question, going, like, casting your mind back to, like, the... The nineteen the the nineteen twenties or, or the the teens, people knew about coelacanths, but only from fossil records. Yeah, they had, fo- they had these they had these fossils that they had seen, and they were sort of, sort of fish shaped, and they had these lobe fins and whatnot, and they called them coelacanths. And they were fossil they were they were fossils that were extinct and were gone, much like dinosaur fossils or whatever. Then all of a sudden, somebody goes and hauls one out of the ocean, and they find out that they're not gone. Is that Right, so uh, pretty much it. Marjorie Courtney Latimer um, saw one like basically a fishing boat had come ashore um, in a little town in South Africa. Saw that it was cool. Tried under you know in everything she could possibly do to sort of preserve this in her own way. Um, you know, it was she wasn't set up to have a giant fish. I mean, these are large sort of. Not, you know, like teenage person-sized fish in some cases, <laughs> and she knew it was awesome. And so she, but it was also pre-phone and all these things. I think she sent a telegram uh, to the main ichthyologist in South Africa, and you know, and the, the two of them figured it out. And eventually, he described the thing, the species, named it after sort of a mix of named it after her and where it was found. So it was caught off the Chulumne River in South Africa. So it's got this species-specific epithet of Chulumne, and then her name was Latim- Latimer, and so the genus was Latimeria, so Latimeria Chulumne is its scientific name, named after her and the river it was covered. But this is a, a really unusual thing that you would know a creature from the fossil record before ever seeing the creature walking around or swimming around in real life. There aren't many exactly. examples. Some of that is a question of like understanding how things are related, though. I mean... One could make the argument that we, well, I guess we need birds before dinosaurs, but there are, it's rare that you have something like this. There's no question that, especially yeah. something that had disappeared for so long. And yes. certainly I, I want to stay away from a certain loaded term that I know Dr. Smith hates and, <laughs> and will be very angry if I use. That's why I'm circumlocuting this whole issue. You should, you should use the term. Yeah, well, well, the, the term, is, the term is living fossil. I've heard that the oh, coelacanth yeah. is a living fossil. And now, three, two, one, Leo explodes. No, it's, I mean, it's just a question. It's an, overused term. it's an overused term. It's a buzzword that people use to sell it. I mean, all the things that have talked about this as being the oldest fossil fish also say, like, it's a living fossil. fossil. Yeah. And it's like, okay, this one's, a, this one's an actual fossil, so it's not a living fossil that's extinct. You know, there are coelacanths, but they're not living fossils. They're also, you know, they exist at the same point in temporal time as we do. Yes. You know? If there, was a, if there were to be a living fossil, the coelacanth would be the... In my opinion, the best example—the living fish fossilius of a fish—it's like the closest thing we have to like a horseshoe crab or something else that would unequivocally be considered a living fossil. Well, I don't mind the buzzword so much in the sense if it's describing a group where there's a larger fossil diversity than extant lineages are left around today, like a tuatara extinction has ravaged lots of lineages. Yeah, most things that have ever lived by a long stretch are dead. Yes, extinct as well as dead. But back to one of the questions that was brought up before about the 
finding the lower jaw and that this gives you a better understanding of the COK. And the one thing I'd be clear on is that just because you have the lower jaw, I mean, I think the lower jaw of uh, alligator or something would be very characteristic even to my son who's six years old or something like that. We shouldn't, this is, we didn't disparage it, but some of the articles about this sort of suggested that this older jaw thing wasn't sufficient. It's like there's no question with a lot of different groups that if, even with just a lower jaw or a tusk or something, you know exactly what it is immediately. Yeah, I mean, the, the initial researchers who described that, you know, they got it right, so to speak. They identified it as a coelacanth fossil. Um, and just find, you know, finding another species in another area of the world of a similar age, you know, it, it, that's a cool finding in and of itself. We don't have to, like, put down other findings just to try to make our, you know, that one sound more important. Um, it's still a significant find. It, it, still, it still puts that this Sarcopterygian lineage is 400 million years old. But that in and of itself in that context isn't as maybe imp- as impressive because as we kind of, our understanding of early tetrapods, like there's a whole transition or evolution of different tetrapod lineages at that time where like lobe fin fishes were, you know, moving into land, so to speak. So... I mean that's just like that's just kind of the right time frame. It's not an unexpected thing. If we'd found one that was six hundred million years old, we'd really be going crazy. Right. But right. but it was in a in the kind of time frame we would expect. And and for for the lay people out there, it's not really it, it it's not really uncommon that a biologist can look at one bone and determine what not only what animal but what how old the animal is what type of animal it, you you can a, a biologist could pick up a bone somewhere and say well this is obviously an arm bone of some creature and that's and identify the creature based just on one bone so there's a, a an enormous literature for example, on shark teeth, where they can name things just on the basis of the shark teeth, or um, in ray fin fishes, or things like trout or salmon or sea bass or groupers or anything like that, they'll they'll describe species just on the basis of an ear bone in the fossil record. So they have a, a very strange ear bone, and fish are sort of characterized by groupings of them. Like they can kind of say that this is a you know a, a perch ear bone or something like that, and actually describe yeah, I mean, it. It's, 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 it's pretty amazing to think that you could t- just pick up something that looks like a bone. And then give it to give it to a group of scientists or a scientist, and the scientist can go and look in a bunch of books and tell you exactly what animal that came from. They've been going to school for a very long time. Yeah, but certain bones, like a like a like a fish rib, for example, it would require one amazing set of features on that rib. I mean, like there, it, certain bones are certain better. bones are more diagnostic diagnostic yeah. suggested yeah. than others. Sure, certain characteristics are really helpful, like that. And certain bones. And a jawbone, a jawbone of a coelacanth would be one of those things. Like you could look at that and say, "Well, I couldn't, but I'm sure that there are people that can." <laughs> but it's not. It's not way out of the question. It's not no. like unimaginable to see to, to do something like that. Oh no, I no, couldn't. No. It's, it's easy for them to present something that I would believe immediately. Well, it's just that I wouldn't. It would take me a few. I could probably figure it out, but it wouldn't. It doesn't jump out at me because I don't look at coelacanths very often. in the very bubbly aquarium room at the Field Museum, and I am looking at a very interesting, long-looking fish who is an Australian lungfish. So can you guys tell us a little bit about this for our species of the week? 
Uh, this is Neoceratodus fosteri. It's uh, one of the more endangered of the, maybe the most endangered of the lungfishes. So they are native to only two river systems in Australia, um, although they have been starting to be introduced throughout uh, different river systems in Australia. So one thing that's interesting about the Australian lungfish, Neoceratodus, is that un- unlike the South American and the African one, this one does not burrow. So one of the characteristics of the other two lungfishes is that they, they cover themselves in a mucus when things dry out, and then they'll burrow down. But this particular lungfish uh, doesn't do that. It can actually just survive um, in a dry environment for days, as long as its skin can stay a little moist. So it's uh, the opposite of hibernation, so they do it in the summer, so it's called estivation. Huh. And when I look at it, to me, it looks like it kind of has the face of a catfish, but without the whiskers. It looks like it has those low... I mean, it looks like it has, like, you know, arms and legs. And, I mean, there are studies of, like, the functional mechanics of the, of those low fins themselves, so I'm going to imagine that they probably can use them right, that's across right. small distances on land or, like, in a muddy area. And that's actually why we have this specimen, so that there's work being done by Field Museum and University of Chicago scientists on locomotion in the various lungfishes and comparisons to early tetrapods. So they're looking, they're sort of trying to make comparisons to uh, Tiktaalik, which is, I think, supposed to be the most, at this point, still the most, the earliest fossil tetrapod. And so, so they're trying to make those comparisons, and so these are the only living representatives. And so it gets into that question of what, you know, this is an ecological question they're basically asking. They are taking the most primitive raised, or uh, lobefin fish but at the same time, they're taking them. They're not going into a frog, which is an aquatic uh, land-dwelling thing. They're going to the aquatic one, so it's got ecological and evolutionary components. This is why they're using it as a model for that question. Yeah. Well, I have a question. So the lungfish, they breathe air. Yep. They have lungs. And gills. And they have lungs and gills. Yes. Very good. I did not know that because I was going to say this guys have been down there for a long time. How long can hold his breath? And he says he can do it as long as he wants because he has gills. So while this lungfish is actually like say closer in relation to us as tetrapods than this to other fishes we discussed earlier in the podcast, um, it actually has a number of features that are very different from us as tetrapods. For example, a lot of its skeleton is actually cartilaginous. So it's lost a lot of ossification in the head. So its vertebral column is entirely made of cartilage, so there's no bone um, there. So, the, I mean, there's a number of features of this group that are quite different from other tetrapods. So it's, it's, one, of the, it's one thing to think that, like, this, this is kind of indicative of what we think of in terms of early ancestors of the tetrapod group. But this is also a derived lineage in its own right off of those kinds of offshoots, just as we are. So it has its own kind of specializations and modifications that has evolved over time, um, just like we have. Right, and you know, a similar thing would be in the case of mammals. I don't think I'd be the only person that would suggest that like a platypus, which is a primitive mammal, is not what the proto-mammal looked like. You know, a duck-billed platypus is not what we should think of as the ancestor of all mammals. It, well, just because you're the like living fossil of a group doesn't mean you look what like the you know necessarily what the fossils the look mom. like. Right. Yeah, like you aren't what the default or primitive one is. You are just the last living member of that group. And with the coelacanths, there was a white. There's a widespread diversity of fossil lungfishes worldwide, um, in all kinds of different deposits, freshwater, marine. Uh, with varying morphologies, and what we have left today is basically the remnants after extinction has kind of taken out all the other lineages. Right, all the living ones are freshwater now. Yeah. He looks yeah. like he's waiting for some food. 
I, that, my experience with lungfishes in captivity is that that's all they they just. Well, actually, most fish in captivity, they're just hoping to get some food, <laughs> some attention. So, is a coelacanth a fish? So that depends on your definition. So this is where it gets tricky. So um, there's a lot of comparisons we could make to how to answer this question, but the easiest one to start with would be like a reptile. So we all recognize the term reptile means snakes, lizards, crocodiles, turtles, and then, you know, potentially, and then frogs and things like would be related things. And so the problem with that is that we now know that crocodiles, for example, are more closely related to birds than they are to lizards. Mm -hmm. And so... What this means is that reptiles isn't a natural group. So mm. flowering plants, so flowers evolve. We have a flower evolves in a group of plants, and now those are flowering plants. And so that's a natural group. It all came from a single common ancestor that then sprouted to give us the hundreds of thousands of living plants today. Mm. Um, when you have a reptile, you had a common ancestor of some sort of tetrapod-like thing that then eventually gave rise to not only the lizards, turtles, and crocodiles and alligators, but it also gave rise to mammals, and birds, and so reptiles doesn't exist as a group, but not fish, right? Nah. And so, that, but this is where it gets tricky. So, what the first fish-like thing that you know this gets into that question at the base. So you have it, first you have whether a hagfish or a lamprey, these jawless, sort of disgusting things in freshwater in the ocean, are uh, fish, or do you have to does it have to be a jawed sort of vertebrate to be that? So that would be like the first thing that would sort of show up in our minds would be like a shark. So it's a cartilaginous skeleton fish. It's, and so those are what we all would consider fish. They live in water, they swim around, they breathe you know, through the water, they respire, we get oxygen from the water, these sorts of things. They live in water for their entire life. But that eventually, you know, that sort of splits off into bony fish. And then with bony fishes, you have a couple different things. You have the rayfin fishes, so those are things like trout, bowfin, herring, pretty much everything you think of as a fish except for a shark. And then you have another lineage, the lobefin fishes, which are the lungfish the coelacanth that we started with, and then all the tetrapods. So this are things like humans, frogs, birds, all these different reptile groups. So if you want to say what is a fish and include a shark, you actually have to include humans and mammals and all these different groups. Wait, 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 wait. I heard sharks, and then I heard bony fishes, and then I heard coelacanths. And lobe, lung, fins. and lobe lobe fins and lobe, and hagfishes like got and things without jaws, right? Where where do sharks come into that? I thought sharks were separate. Sharks are not separate. Sharks are the closest relative of all the bony fishes. So if we're just talking like living things that are around today and not yes. getting into all the other fossil diversity. Think of it like there's two dichotomous pathways. There's the sarcopterids and the lobe fin fishes and tetrapods, and then on the other side is the ray fin. And then sister to that dichotomy are the sharks, so the chondrichthys. So our dichotomous area where it's like tetrapods, ray fin fishes, that whole grouping is called osteichthys. Or the bony fishes. Or the bony fishes. So yeah. you are technically classified as a bony fish. As a bony fish. I don't yeah. believe it. I don't believe it either. <laughs> okay, well that's a good one. so so like then what is a what is a fish to you? Like like if you if somebody were to say like that's a fish, like what in your mind like what categorizes a fish to you? So, for me a fish is it has fins, lives in water. So it's an eel. It has fish. gills. Um yeah, an eel's a fish to me. Yeah. Skin, does it have limbs? 
Yeah, scales. Um, it's got the thing on its back that looks like a fin. It's, it's probably a not a fin at all. Like so, probably yeah. mostly gills, <laughs> and that it's breathing water. So it has to be aquatic. See, and this is this is where it runs in because I would say scales, but I know sharks don't have scales. But if I looked at a shark, I would call it a fish. I would call a shark a fish. Sure. But a, a shark doesn't have scales. And, well, that's a a shark, they're just different. They, yeah, they, they, do. they do have them, yeah. They do have scales. Yeah. They're just different. They have denticles. They're denticles. They're denticles. Yeah. What are denticles? Shark scales? They're, the, they're, they're, they're little teeth, they're essentially. Little teeth, yeah. They're essentially little teeth. Oh, that's right. They're supposed to hurt when you get hit by them. It's like touching sandpaper. It's in like, one direction, it's smooth. in one direction. Yeah. Right. If you go from front to back, it's smooth, and if you go from tail to nose, it's. it's and they actually use it to grind up uh, wasabi. Yes, for yes your anyone sushi. who listened to me do my spiel a hundred times on members' night would know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but then, so but then gills. I would, but it would, it would be gills underwater. It would, it, underwater, it would be scales, and for me, it would be laying eggs. Some of them live, have live, have live I, birds. I know. Sea like that, has live birds. And that, 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 that messes with my sharks, head. Sharks have live birds. I know. Like, well, some sharks. Sword tails? What are those? Sword tails and guppies tank? have live birth all over the place. Live birth is all over the place. Yeah, right. fish are crazy with the reproduction. So fish never have lungs. How about that? Oh, no. they do. Except for the lungfish. They, they do. <laughs> they, some of them do have lungs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, a gill is not that much different from a lung. I mean, it's it's oh, a no. it's a, a a bunch of uh, uh, blood vessels and uh, it collects yeah. oxygen from its environment. So it's no, it's this is why it's tricky. I mean, the, the well, answer I mean, is being a fish is the primitive, undifferentiated form that everything comes all from. Right. So every so fish. Well, if you took a six year old to any place, they could tell you what a fish is. That's right. the thing. There's like a general like like you'd see a shark, you'd say that's a fish. You saw. A clownfish, you'd say that's a fish. But a dolphin's not a fish. But would they point to a whale and think it was a fish? A whale's not a fish because its tail goes the other way. Well, technically, (laughs) somebody would be like, okay, that's an aquatic mammal. But technically, on the grouping of how we are all related and and the sharing of our common ancestry, we trace back to bony fishes, like the evolution of Well, and and this has to go with really how we're taught. I mean, you're uh, you're taught about species in boxes. You know, like if it's furry and it... Has live birth and it makes milk, then it's a mammal. If it lives in water and if it has scales and like eggs, it's a fish. You're not taught all the different weird, messy in between stuff because it's messy and it's in between, but that's important. Well, I I agree with that. Like, we do not learn about, about the evolution of life on like a large scale from an early age. We learn not we we learn we do learn things from very much like an essence type approach. Like, that's a fish, it lives in water. That's a bat. You know, what I mean, like you have a, a sense of that, but you you don't have the kind of global evolutionary history of all of that together. And part so, of this is that this sort of changed. I mean, there was a series of papers in the '60s and '70s that sort of highlighted that. So, a lungfish and a cow share a common ancestor more recently than a lungfish does with a trout. I, I guess I have two questions, so I'll ask the first one. So, what is a fish to you guys? I avoid the term. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so no, but that, I, I we refer need to, to rename things as, our podcast. Well, the thing is, like, I think both both Leo and I work probably ninety nine percent of the time. The fishes that we work on are fall into the group bony ray, like the bony fin fishes or the ray fin fishes. I mean, so they're bony fishes, but then within that, we work on ray fin fishes. So we don't work on sarcopterygians. We don't work on the two coelacanths, like the, yeah, or the and the lung the fishes, and like and we don't work on sharks. So we don't work on chondrichthys, which is the sister to that. That grouping, the 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 yeah. yeah. So, like, we when we talk about fishes, we're almost always exclusively talking about ray fin fishes. So that group scientifically is called the Actinopterygians. So that's where we do all of our research. 
So or almost all of our research. Yeah, or almost all of our research. Probably like ninety nine percent of the time we're in that area. So when we talk about fish, that's what we're thinking of. We're thinking of like what almost anybody thinks of when they think of fish: seahorses, like minnows, trout, um, catfish, catfish. Like all of those things are within ray finned fishes. Yeah. And so you can ask. Wait, wait, wait a minute. So now in the beginning, in the beginning. <laughs> the oldest common ancestor of everything we're talking about is some tetrapod. No. Is that no? No. The oldest common ancestor is some the first jawed vertebrate. So okay. the first, the first time you go so from a hagfish like okay. thing from or a hagfish, a lamprey. which is a lamprey, which is a jawless, sucking sort of aquatic thing with gills. Aquatic thing with gills. All right. Then it develops a jaw. And then everything from that point forward, Brand, then it branches out into, into sharks. cartilaginous fishes and bony fishes. Yep. And bony fishes. Okay, so on and one the side is sharks, and that's sharks, and a bunch of other fish. fossil things, and a bunch Black of other earth. fossil things. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's all a bunch of other fossil lineages we're not talking yeah, about. Yeah, right but here, that's but too like, confusing. Yeah, right. but once we get into right, that, so it gets you crazy. separate out sharks, and then you've got something that goes you've on. Got which two is two groups that are basically both about forty thousand living species. So one is like a couple coelacanths. Okay. About eight to ten lungfishes, and then like thirty thousand tetrapods. So those are the frogs. Okay, and te- tetrapods, mammals. which we are among the tetrapods. Right. We are among the tetrapods. Tetrapods, four things, four limbs. Right. Yep. Four. Except for snakes. Except for snakes and skinks. <laughs> things that have lost them. Like some things will have lost their limbs, but that's. They a, used to have them, but you could still see them. We like share a common ancestry little, with them, so and so that's the thing. Is so the question of what is a fish it sort of comes down to an ecological answer, not an evolutionary answer. It's something like that's what we're getting at. Mm, it yeah. has a certain lifestyle, but like then something like salamanders can, you know, or frogs <laughs> still have gills. So what's and the, they have tetrapods. And they're a aquatic. lifestyle choice. What, what what's the point to classifying anything then? Well, classifying <laughs> is just <laughs> their job. Well, we give names to the things we talk about. And that's the thing, like, your essence of what a fish is is probably, like, 95% of the population would say fishes or sharks or these these other things. They live in water. Like, it's it's to make things so we can can talk about the world we live in better and we can report on that and we can discuss it. Like, a lot of it's that. But then there's the other level where on the scientific classification, we're fishes, too. You know, and that's a whole different ballgame. And and so that question is when you – and the reason that matters is so if you're going to study the evolution of something, you have to study – a group and all of its ancestors to a certain degree or yeah. compare to unrelated things that have moved into a similar like ecological framework or something. You have, you cannot talk about the evolution of jawed vertebrates without talking about both fish and all these things that went on the land, the yeah. problem. And that's the thing. So when we study evolution, we have to, we tend to focus on these things we call clade. Sometimes it's super easy, like plants, where you have plant, like flowering, or I should say flowering plant. Flowering plant evolves, we all recognize flowers. It's like it's like a giant happy situation. The problem is, you know, the same is true of vertebrates. Mm. We've evolved vertebrae and we all recognize what a vertebrate is and it's all well and good. The problem is when you get this sort of hairy stuff where one little lineage decides to do something totally wacky and goes off and messes it all up for everybody else. Decides to get up on land. Yeah, goes up on the <laughs> land. I mean, but the, that kind the of thing. Water. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that this happens all over sort of the aquatic and, you know, all the invertebrates of the world, which is another one of these groups. So, Invertebrates, so these are worms through clams, shrimp, any insects, anything like that, are another paraphyletic group. So that, but yeah. you can't really talk about invertebrates without yeah. including invertebrates. Yeah, yeah, that's a good example because people throw that around a lot. Like they work on invertebrates, but that is a whole lot of groups oh, from different so, so areas the, of the hagfish. Is a vertebrate? Yeah, well, it's a craniate. 
It, it doesn't have fully. It has a notochord. It's got a notochord, so it's yeah. got co- and that, a cordata. It's a cordata, yeah. exactly. And that's like a, a primitive spinal cord. It's sort of, well, the notochord. main nervous kind of channel. It, in, in us, the, notoc- what's rem- the remnant of the notochord in a human are the inner vertebral bulges and discs and things like that. So you have the vertebral bony elements and then you have these like sort of gooey pads and that's the remnants of the notochord. The notochord runs parallel to the spinal cord. So I understand. All right. So classification is important so we can talk about things. Right. Obviously it's important so we can understand evolutionary history of things, especially when you're studying them. Why is it important for a six-year-old to know well, if that you a shark really isn't even a, it's a different type of fish. Like it's not just a fish. No, that this fair. shark is fundamentally different than your clownfish. Why is it important? Because I think it gives a sense of the world. I mean, I think like having an idea of evolution and of how lineages have evolved gives you kind of a greater sense of um, everything. I mean, uh, so I mean, another way of thinking about this is you know, is to make draw a comparison to like universes and galaxies and things like that. So like uh, how things are related is like a series of nested problems. So if you, you know, why does it matter if this star is in our galaxy or in some other galaxy? It's like, well, sometimes these things are going to matter. And maybe for the average kid, it doesn't really matter whether a shark is related to a clownfish. But if you were, so maybe people are allergic to wasp and bee stings. Right, mm. maybe you know, and you know, there's, or maybe they know that they're allergic to bee stings. Well, bees are a subset of the wasps, and maybe they should be worried about any sort of wasps, or maybe ants, which are closely related in that same sort of general group, the Hymenoptera. You know, there are fundamental questions where this can be medically relevant. At the end of the day, the reason, but you know, I mean, like the reason we have to, we can't talk, learn, know anything about anything, or appreciate anything, or learn about anything unless we can give it a name, and that. There is some requirement that obviously in France they're going to have a different name than the U.S. is going to have for any particular fish that we're both familiar with because it's going to be a common name. It's going to be in French or English. Um, So we have to have a scientific name and that the trick to that is that in order for us to understand the evolution or understand, attach any sort of, you know, sort of historical attachment to this thing, they're going to need to have a scientific name and then that's going to have to be put into a classification. So we're fish. Yeah, technically, we are more closely related to clownfish than sharks are related to clownfish. Is that what you're trying to? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's That's true. true. We share more our more recent common ancestor with clownfishes than we do with sharks. That's interesting. You can tell that to a six year old, maybe a seven year old. Yeah, I mean, it would blow their little mind, but in a good way. Yeah, a really smart six year old or a. a, Um, But do you think that would that would help people care more about fish or? in the environment knowing this connection is deeper than you think it is I certainly can't hurt yeah I mean I I certainly don't see any disadvantage I don't really see any disadvantages to people learning more about (laughs) evolutionary history knowing more about stuff no yeah I don't that's because you're scientists and that's the way you think but to an average person well I've had there have been times where I've given um talks or I've, I've displayed specimens to the public where some, you know, I've showed a batfish, for example, and I've had a little kid say, you know, is that, a, is that like related to a bat that flies in the air? And, and they're pulling that just from the name because it's called a batfish. Uh, and I get that. But then at the same time, it's like, no, it's a fish and that's a bat. You know, it's like this one 
belongs to a group of these ray fin fishes. This other one is a mammal. You know, there's like a there's a sense of knowledge there that obviously they weren't picking up yet in school. Um, but the name is what's throwing things off. And so, like, I think it's important to teach these kinds of things. Like, these are what our mammals are. This is what diagnoses mammals. Like, this is what diagnoses fish. Um, no, and, and it, it comes through anything. I mean, that same thing could be said there. Mahi-mahi for the longest time was called the dolphin or dolphin fish, and people didn't want to eat that. But it's a fish. It's not, I mean, it's a bony, it's a, te- it's a ray fin fish. It's, it's a not a fish. It's not a dolphin. It's not a whale or anything like that. And this, that stuff happens all the time. I mean, people see seahorses. Lots of kids look at seahorses and don't think it's a fish for any number of reasons. But one of them is that it's. Doesn't name has got horse in it, it or jellyfishes. Jellyfishes are, which, which are or starfish. Fish. Like I've gotten that. I've I've been asked like, are jellyfishes actually fish more times than a human should ever be asked that question? But <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's I mean that shows. Are jellyfish actually jelly? <laughs> I mean, I've never yeah. been asked that. Yeah, yeah so like, is but, it more like Smuckers? Than- <laughs> Does it taste like peach? Yeah. Um, but for little kids, you know, that's a logical jump. Like, they're using logic. Yeah, exactly. And, and part of it's the naming that, is confusing. Yes. For that, for that age, if you're not, if you're not learning um, about those lineages. Now, now see, now you've, you've raised all these questions and have called into question everything I know about the world. I, I hesitate to call them fish now. But <laughs> I, knew the, I knew I mean, the sharks they, were the, different from other fish because well, they the thing, were they're sharks. They're, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're, that's the, they're, they're chondrichthians. That's the thing. It's like fish is just a name we give them because they live in water. But they're, they are chondrichthians. And we are tetrapods. I mean, I usually just go by that. Like, we are tetrapods, they're chondrichthians, and then these other things we work on are bony... They're bony fin fishes, so I just call them fishes. Like, like what Leo and I work on are fishes. So like, right. most people would perceive as a fish other than sharks. Right. I right. mean, the vast majority of the diversity is in what we do, so... So, the, the, the classification and naming of things is, gets very tricky and difficult, and, and it's very, not, it's very unintuitive. Yeah. Well, that's like all the yes. things that people work on that are fossil fishes. You know, a lot of those things fall outside of this bony fin thing. So then there's a whole smorgasbord of fossils that are, like, somewhere between sharks and that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, what and so what? those are all fo- those are all fishes... But they're actually their own lineages, like placoderms, those like right. big dunkleosteus with the big yeah. plate faces. Like, well, what's a megalodon? That's my favorite. Well, that's those those giant those sh- like like Shark Attack three. Yeah. Is that the the shark one? You mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's a Is that's a shark? that's a shark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's why a whole boat saw it in the I know. Shark Attack three. I know. So I think that that that's like really uh, intuitively. And I don't even know what this means, but, you know, as, as a person who's never studied a lot of evolutionary biology at all, knowing how things are related makes me like something more. Or yeah, I think it's better, but then, I, but then it's it. also true I'm biased. Like, I was drawn to this aspect of biology. That's why I, I like this part. So right. maybe I'm just biased and I like knowing how things relate to each other. Yeah. No, I think it makes it more inherently is- interesting. It's knowing, like, your family tree. It's the same kind of fascination of yeah, probably, your answer. There's, like, the obvious elephant in the room of why these things don't get talked about. You know, and it's because, like, people don't want, like, they don't want to talk about evolutionary lineages. Oh. And, like, you came from a fish. Or, like, right. you know, there's that, there's this, like... There's that. Well, see, that's, but I think this speaks to that, though, because you 
you individually didn't come from a fish. You came from another person. No, you came from an ancestor that you led came off from an these ancestor things. who came from an ancestor who came from an ancestor. Multiply that times a thousand. Who came from some hominid? Well, that's the thing. Like, so the sea, like for example, the coelacanth is far closer to us than like we are even like than we are to a clownfish too, right? Like on the terms of scale. But the coelacanth is not our ancestor, no. right? Like we share a common ancestor with the lineage that also shot off coelacanths. But lobefin fishes, like there are a few lobefin fish groups that stayed in the water, which are like coelacanths, and there's a lot of other ones that are extinct. Eustinoptera, and there's some up in the fossil that explore evolution. But but then the the ones that didn't stay in the water, the like acanthostega, nictheostega, and all those things that that over like a hundred million years moved farther and farther up on land. That's where we, you know, then we get closer and closer to them. But there were a whole bunch of other offshoots that never left the water. And that's like where the coelacanth comes in or the lungfish. Like they just stayed in water. Yeah, I mean, it's important to talk about evolution because, you know, it gives you a better understanding of the world and yourself and the relationship to different things. If you want to agree, disagree, or want to ask what the fish, tweet us your questions at fm underscore what the fish. And for this week, all we have left to say is so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> <laughs>